0: It is an incredible honor to be here um, the last time that I got to speak here we were in a different building so this is kind of fun. I'm really excited that we get to see you. I see very many familiar faces and I see some that are new and I'm really happy to see all of you here today. Um, just just a kind of recap of what's happened in our lives. We uh, moved to Florida nine years ago and he's right it was about a month shy of five years that we were here and um, when we got to Florida, we thought we were there to do missions, and we did help plant a church, but God birthed in us the idea of foster care. And so we decided to become foster parents, and we went through all of the classes, and then every door seemed to slam shut when we were in Florida. There was, we, couldn't get, we had our home study, but then we couldn't get any kids, and then this would happen, and the rules would change, and it was just crazy. And so we said, okay, God, what do you have for us? And so we went to Texas, and when we got there, I was kind of like, well, this is kind of lame, I don't really like it here. This isn't Huron, and if we're not going to be in Florida, we might as well go back to Huron because this is our home. This is where we got married. But we ended up saying, okay, God, whatever you want for us, that's what we're going to do. And so God said, hey, I have a place for you. And the moment that we touched down in Texas, in Arlington, Texas, do we have any Cowboys fans here? Seeing none, um, we lived about 15 minutes away from the Cowboys stadium. And while we were there – Every door flung wide open. We had our first placement of foster care before we were even licensed foster parents. I mean, that's how much the doors flung open. And so we had 11 kids come through our home while we lived in Texas, and three of them we got to keep for forever. And we are so excited. We have Lillian, who is now five. She came to us when she was three days old. Um, We got to pick her up at the hospital. And from somebody who's never been able to have a child from my section here. Um, It was really cool to be able to go to the hospital and pick up a baby. It was like the most incredible experience. Um, And then a month later, Harper and Christian moved in with us. And um, I'm telling you right now, no amount of student ministries or youth pastoring ever taught me how to have a 12-year-old in my house. So please pray for me because that is something I'm having to deal with right now. Some of you may not understand and others of you are like, girl, I'm praying for you. Please pray for me, cause this has been, I think, the biggest challenge of my entire life. So, um, I'm, the reason why she's not here is because I wanted to talk about her today. She's actually with my parents today, but this has been a big challenge for me. Um, he he kind of relates to her a lot more than I do. I just kind of go. This is this is the face she normally gets when she says something like, like, "What are you thinking? I don't understand." And I remember being 12, and I was the perfect child, and so I can't even relate to that because (laughs) I'm looking out for the lightning just (laughs) right now. So we've adopted our kids, and God called us shortly after we adopted our children to move to Oklahoma and get on staff at a a pastorship, and so we uh, were the children's pastor at this church, and we ended up getting laid off from that because of COVID and some other things that happened that I'm not going to get into right now, but um, so we're like, okay, God, (laughs) what's next? What do we do now? And Jason comes home one day, and he says, have you ever heard of TikTok? And I'm like, I've heard of Tic Tacs. I mean, they're pretty good. We could have some. You want me to go get you some from Walmart? It's right down the street. He's like, no, TikTok. He's like, these kids, because he was a a para-educator at school. He said, these kids are talking to me about all these dances. Like, I don't don't even know how to do any of them, so I'm just playing. That's That's pretty bad. Okay. And he's like, They do all these dances, and they do all these songs, and I don't get it, but I want to because I want to be able to connect with them better. So he said, I'm going to get on TikTok, and if you'll give me an hour a day after I get home from work, he was like, just give me an hour, and then I'll be yours the rest of the night. And whatever you need me to do after that, it's fine. I'm like, okay. So he started this journey on TikTok, and it's a social media um, site. It's like Instagram. Raise your hand if you've heard of any of these. It's like Facebook but smaller, okay? And a lot more weird dancing, okay? So he said, I'm gonna get on TikTok and I'm gonna try that. And then all of a sudden one day he says to me, Patience, I'd really like to get this thing called a talk box. And it's this tube that goes in his mouth and it makes electronic sounds and it's pretty awesome. And for the first month, I almost threw away that talk box every day because it was so annoying. (laughs) And I looked at him and I'm like, are you going to get better at this? Because if you are, I'll I'll be patient through it. But if you're not, let's move on. And he said, I will get better. Just let me keep practicing. He said, I have a dream, and this dream will be fulfilled. And so God has just been using us uh, on um, TikTok. We do TikTok Lives. It's where we go live, and he does his songs. But the cool thing about it is we're, on TikTok, you're not really allowed to proclaim God. But you can do it in these little minor ways. So at the end of every one of our lives, we pray for whomever has prayer requests throughout the whole night. And people come there specifically to give us their prayer requests. And they'll say, hey, I'm having surgery. Can you pray for me? There's this one person in particular that just, she melts me. Her name is Yatar. Please don't go look for her. Okay. I probably shouldn't even have said her. Her name's Rebecca. Okay. She, we'll, we'll delete that part. Okay. She um, is a, a proclaimed Wiccan. And she comes to all of our lives. And I've started talking to her in my direct messages. We've been messaging back and forth. I've even had a couple of Zoom calls with her. And she asked me one day for prayer. Can you imagine? Isn't that incredible? We have somebody who's a professed Wiccan asking me, a Christian, whom she has told me, I don't believe in God. But if you want to pray, I'll take it. Yeah, I want to pray. So I have prayed for her just about every day. And I have prayed for her over Zoom call. I have prayed for her in the direct messages for different things that are going on in her life. And she keeps asking me for prayer. Isn't that incredible? And so we have started this whole ministry on TikTok where you're not allowed to profess God on TikTok. And we are changing lives for God. And we are saying, hey, we're here, so whatever you need to pray for, we get messages from people saying, man, I was about to commit suicide, and then I watched your, your video or I watched your live, and, and there's just something different. Please tell me what's different in your life. And we get to tell them who Jesus is. And it's such an incredible way that we get to share God outside of the confines of a church. We get to share God with people that might not otherwise come here. And then after that, we get to plug them into a church where they're at. It's really awesome. So that's a little bit about what's been going on with us. We uh, actually just signed on with the South Dakota District. We transferred our credentials up here, and we are the District Directors of Online Media Ministry for South Dakota. So if you have any questions about online media ministry, we'll do some research and tell you about it. Okay. That was funny. Okay. No, it wasn't. Okay. That was my dad joke. You're right. Girls shouldn't tell dad jokes. I, by the way, I got my dad a shirt that says, Joke champ yeah. for Father's Day because he tells really bad. But okay, forget They're
1: it. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> They're amazing. This is our first time tag team uh, preaching. So, would you call it preaching? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So th- he is actually not a public speaker at all, which is what's so funny about him wanting to be on TikTok because he d- he's a complete introvert. He does not like. He doesn't enjoy speaking in front of people. He's had interview after interview. Like, almost every day he has an interview with some type of news article. And it's funny because he doesn't like to speak publicly, and he's doing it. And so I said, he said, okay, so you're preaching. I'm like, we're preaching. Yeah. We're going to get you out of your comfort zone here. So our, the title of our sermon today, thank you. Yeah. As long as I don't have to stand on he, Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um our title of the sermon today is "Dare to Dream again," because I believe that God has given every person a dream, and it's time to bring it back out of the box and dream again and it was really funny I asked uh, I told Pastor Tom we were coming here quite a while ago, and I wasn't sure if he remembered in his old age that we were coming, but he did, and he reminded me of that, and um I guess I'm the one with the old age I got the grace to prove it uh, but So this is a word that God had laid on my heart about a week or two ago for y'all. Y'all don't say y'all here, do you? We're in Oklahoma. We say y'all. It means you all, okay? Just in case you didn't. Y'all. Everyone say y'all. You guys guys are pretty good. All right. So we're going to be reading out of Genesis, and we're going to be talking about Joseph and the dream that he had for his family that they didn't receive very well. So Genesis 37, verses 5 through 11 Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to my dream I had. We were building sheaves of grain out of the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and, star, uh, uh, sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. He pondered it in his heart. I'm not really good at that part of things so this is a this is a literal dream, and what we're going to talk today about is a dream that God has birthed inside of you from maybe long ago, or maybe He's birthing something inside of you now.
1: Thank you um, I'm gonna talk a little bit about my dream when I was a little boy, I was surrounded by music. My mother was a singer, she strummed the guitar over her belly when I was still. In the womb, she said, "This guy's going to be a, a musician when he's born," and um, she wanted me to be a singer actually. And I I don't profess myself to be a singer, but I'm am okay. But um, yeah, I just I just knew that I was going to have some type of life surrounding music um, since I was a, uh, I was a little kid, and um, and come into my I guess into my teen years, that's when I started to get this dream of. Hey, one day I might be on stage, or I might have a large audience. Um, I'm going to be this music producer, and so I started diving into trying to be this music producer and becoming maybe famous off of that or whatever that is. And um, and I would tell, I would tell my my brother and my sister, like, hey man, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to make this song for Michael Jackson. I'm going to be doing this. Michael Jackson's long dead, but. Um, I had these, this that's, can tell you how long ago this was, but um, I, I would tell them about these dreams that I had, and it was not always received well, because it didn't make sense. My I told my dad, my dad said, can you read music? I'm like, no, I can't read music. He, well, you have to learn how to read music if you're going to go ahead and do this. You know I Still don't know how to read music. but um, But I can, everybody that works with me kind of has to read music when we do stuff in the studio. But it's funny. Like how God gave you or gives me this dream, and I don't know exactly how it's going to come to pass. I don't know all the moving parts, but I go ahead, and I ran out, and I tried to tell people. And I think what I was looking for is affirmation from these people. I'm looking for my dad to say, yeah, that's a good one. Pat me on the back where I made the mistake and didn't realize that God is the source. If he's the one that gives you the dream, you don't have to go to anybody else to do a second check. It's not like the doctors where you, they tell you something, some news, and you have to go and get a second opinion. When God gives you a dream and you're sure that he places it in your heart, he'll confirm it in his way, but it's not going to be the way that you think that you need to go and run to somebody else and say, hey, I think God gave me this dream, da-da-da-da-da. you have got to be careful about the people that you go ahead and portray your dream to. God will tell you who to bring it to, if he sees a partner out there that's there, for me, my partner is her. And when I told her this dream about what I wanted to do, she kind of saw it in me before I even started telling her about it. And it was so strange to me that she was so affirming. And i like, I know you can do it. I know you can do this. Because I didn't have anybody around me that, you know, reacted in that way. It was more people asking me questions, and it was a long shot. And I I looked like a big long shot to them. And I started looking at myself like that. And I kind of suspect that there were times that Joseph felt like that as well when he fell into his pitfalls. Um, There's an importance of believing what God tells you. And in this case, it's a dream. Believe in it because God told it to you. It is something that almost defines a relationship with you and God. This is a touchstone that you have with him that you could come back to and you could take this thing out your back pocket and place it right on the altar and say, God, you told me about this. What else do I do next? What must I do next? And you need to have people in your life that are around you, not necessarily that they say yes to everything that that you tell them, like, yes, 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 we're for you, but you need to have people that are your cheerleaders yeah, you, you need to have people that will affirm you, that help push you forward. And it's not always, yeah, you're doing great, and they, uh, you know, everything that you're doing, they think is absolutely fantastic. One day, I remember one day in particular, we were here in Huron, and, um, and I had not touched the keyboard in a long time. I had a keyboard set up in my living room, and it was, it was just there, and I was going out and I was working, yep, I was going out working every day, trying to provide, trying to do my best. And... I was just sitting there one day in the living room, kind of like spaced out, and Patience goes, there's dust on your keyboard. And I'm like, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll clean it up. I'm thinking she's talking to me about cleaning the house. <laughs> and, um, no, it wasn't that. She goes, why is there dust on your keyboard? You're a music producer. What are you doing with dust on your keyboard? You need to get up. I need to hear you make some noise with that thing. And I'm like, um, this is uncomfortable. I'm like here relaxing, and you're confronting me with all this stuff, but that was God cheering me on. I'm really good at com- confrontation. Yes, she's very that's her spiritual gift. That's my spiritual. I didn't know it was one. I need to read again, but yeah, um, but yeah, just here she like kicked me in the tail for that, like what are you doing with the key? You're a music producer, you do music, and you have the tools right here that God has given you, afforded you to be able to do, and there's dust on it. Are you kidding me? And, uh, and that was a form of cheerleading. And I really had to take a step back. And, yes, I had to dust off my keyboard. And she started making plans or helping me make plans to take trips out to go ahead and do things to further my dream, to further what God had called me into.
0: So in Genesis thirty-seven, nineteen through 36, we look at Joseph. And his brothers,
2: and his brothers are saying,
0: here comes that dreamer. Here comes that one with these wild, crazy dreams that is putting us kneel down in front of him. What a dreamer he is. So they plotted this whole thing of they're going to kill him. But Reuben, his brother, steps up and says, no, 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 we can't kill him. And I don't know if it was that Reuben was like, oh, I believe in his dream. It was more like, I'm afraid of my father. We're not going to kill him, Right? But you, you have people in your life that are going to do things in your life that it might not be for the reason that you think, but it will be something that will help you further advance your dream, okay? So he said, let's not kill him. Let's just put him down in the cistern, and then we could sell him off into slavery, and that's what they do. They sell him off into slavery to Potiphar in Egypt. And when he gets there, Potiphar's wife, the little hussy, can I say that? Maybe not. Okay, I said it. Sorry. She comes up to him and is trying to coerce him into doing things that she had no business doing. Let's let's be honest. Say she had no business. business. Everybody say she had no business. She had no business. business. But she then tells her husband, this man's trying to have his way with me. And Joseph was like, girl, you're crazy. But he ends up in jail. And he could have thought while he was in jail, he could have sat there and thought, well, I guess that dream is just dead then. That's never going to happen. But instead, he shows the guards what a great man of character he is. In fact, the guards give him rule over the cupbearer and the chief baker. He becomes the leader of them in jail. Like, he's in prison, too, and he becomes a leader in prison. Like, if that's not something that can get you to go, like, man, look at my circumstances. God is never, this dream is never going to happen. This dude's in jail, Because the ruler, his wife, has said he tried to have his way with her. And he's in jail. Like, do y'all get that? Like, this is something that's, like, a really big deal. Like, and and they see his character and say, I'm going to put you in charge of things. Even though he's chained up in jail. I don't know if he was chained up. I'm just adding that for emphasis. But he's in jail. There's not very many people in jail that they're giving leadership positions to, is my point. In fact, I don't know that, I I haven't met very many people that have been in jail, but the ones that I have weren't in jail for good reasons. They weren't in jail to be leaders. So he gets thrown in jail because Potiphar's wife lied about him in chapter 39. And then something happens in Genesis chapter forty.
1: So Joseph's in charge of the cupbearer and the chief baker, and uh, and both of them were in prison. They were in jail for some way they have offended the king. You know, back then there's a king in in, in Egypt, and he they look at him as if he's a deity, like he's a god. So you can't do anything to make him upset, because if you do, that's usually your head. Like it's they'll they'll separate it. That's your severance. That you get if you're in his court and you you disrespect him or dishonor him or in some way make him unhappy, and these were people that were very very close to him. The one person was their job is to taste the juice or the wine or whatever drink that they brought to him to make sure that it wasn't poisoned. If somebody was conspiring against him, they were the person that here drink this first and you okay. It was it was kind of a glamorous job because you got to be right there, but it was almost like secret service where you had to take the bullet. And so they take the sip and they hand it to him um to make sure it wasn't poisoned and he you know it's not really no, it's not, but he's watching them after they drink it okay, not dead, all right, and I'll take go ahead and take yeah, and uh, and so that's I mean they got to drink the best stuff, I guess, so that's probably okay. the cool thing and then there's the baker, and the baker's job is to feed the king, like you're making something delicious for him, some bread for the king, and um. And these were places that were very, very privileged. And whatever, by whatever circumstance, they end up going to prison. And they both have dreams. And this is a funny thing. Like, they both have these dreams. And there is Joseph, right in the midst of them. He's sitting right there. And they bring their dreams to him. And he's, let me see what I can do. And he prays about it. And God gives him an interpretation of these dreams. And to one, he gives... Really good news. Hey, buddy, you're going to get your job back. Awesome. Yes. And there's the poor baker. And he's like, awesome. He's getting his job back. What about me? What about me? Um, sorry, but you're you're going to die. You're going to get your head removed. Or you're going to be killed by the king after this term is over. And that wasn't good news. But the authority that God has placed in Joseph's life in that point, Where he's telling these people that were, as much as makes no difference, working in the courts of royals. And he's giving, God is giving him a voice to speak to them and to tell them something. And the authority that went with it meant that they believed that it was from God. And they believed him. And God showed it to be true. He worked it out to be true. God will show you in little little ways on your way to your dream. He will confirm it in little ways as you're moving there. And it doesn't matter where you are. I remember... Being here in Huron, actually not in Huron in the town. I used to work for Service Master. And I had to go out of town to clean a, uh, it was funny, I think it was cleaning a church. And um, and it was, we're cleaning up some, uh, I don't know, there was some sewage loss or something, and I had to clean that. And so we're talking, I was feeling pretty humble that day. And I was working, and I had a coworker with me. And there was this old dusty piano over there in the corner. And so I go over there. And uh, I was tired. I had lifted, you know, quite a few tons of debris and pulled it out of there and sat down and uh, played on the thing. And this kid goes, what are you doing here? He asked me, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. And that really, really hit me like, yeah, but I but I am here. I'm pretty sure that Joseph giving them these dreams and giving them these inter- interpretations showed that he is a man whose stature isn't supposed to be there for a long term. But there he was. But while he's there, God's using him. And while I was there cleaning that church, for whatever purpose that was my job at that time, God was using me right there. He was using me there. The, um, yeah, while I was there, it was it's funny, because while I was there, I, I started to, my confidence started to come back up. It was this was notably after she had got on to me about dusty keyboard and everything. And so I had already started making music again, but I was still working. I was still working. But I, I had a moment like what happened to Joseph, where I did something in the character of the dream that God had called me for. Joseph was doing something in the character of the dream that God has called him to. And it reminds him I'm going in the right place and the person or the people around him tell him, yeah, this is you are this guy who I don't know who you are, I don't know how you got here, but there's something about you that's different. In that time, after he did that, Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh has a dream. So this is a big this is a big dog deal. Pharaoh has a dream and he needs somebody. And the person that cupbearer was the one that told Pharaoh I I think I know a guy that can tell you what this means now I imagine it's a long long time this is about what what do you think years after Joseph um Joseph interprets the cupbearer's dream I've been in that position where I've done something and a person that I think has some influence or has a connection to somebody else says oh man you're amazing all right, cool. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to such and such for you, and these things are going to be good. And I come home and I'm like, honey, we made it. Everything's going to be great. I know this person, and they're going to go to the person, and they're going to get me elevated. We're going to make it. And it doesn't happen. Joseph tells him this dream. It comes to pass. And Joseph, thinking, yeah, I got maybe, he's talking to the, the people in it. He's like, I'm going to be out of here about a week. I'm going to make it. Like, Cupbearer's got me. He's going up to Pharaoh. He's going to tell him what's going on, and I'm going to be out of here. Yes, a week, a month, years go by, and he's still there. I've had that happen. And God has told me, God has pointed it to me even recently, that it doesn't matter the people that you know, the people that are of big stature, that can do great things for you. Don't put your trust in those people. If God has called you to the dream, God is going to make his way. And so you're not going to be able to share his glory with anybody. You're not going to be like, it's because I know Mark and Angela and such and such, and they hooked me up and got me this thing. When God does it for you, it's God and God alone. And he's going to get the glory. So eventually, Joseph gets called up to do to work with Pharaoh and to give him the interpretation of his dreams. And the dream that was tried to be interpreted by so many people that was in Pharaoh's courts, and it was incorrect. And here's this guy coming in from jail. uh, For all intents and purposes, for Pharaoh, who's this dude coming up from jail to tell me something, but that authority that God placed on Joseph. So when he says something and he interprets a dream, people believed it. People believed him. And Pharaoh gives him the dream. It makes no sense to anybody else. Joseph goes to sleep. God shows him the interpretation. He comes back, and it means seven years of reaping, which means seven good years are coming. You're going to be making money. Everything is going to be great. But after that, there's going to be seven years of famine that are going to swallow up every good year that you have and put you into the worst financial turmoil that this nation has ever known. And this is a funny thing. That was just one part of the dream. And sometimes we, <laughs> we think of God's gift or God's calling or even God's uh, dream that he placed in our heart. We sometimes misinterpret what it means. Joseph was correctly interpreting all these dreams. And we think Joseph the dreamer. And it's not very many dreams that he had. If you read the whole story, he, he wasn't dreaming all the time, but he dreamed at specific times. But one of the gifts that God gave him in that dream or in, the, in his dreaming was his administration, and we don't know what God has called us to. Some of us have this dream that we're going to do something, and we don't know God has called us to be a leader, even while we're in our servanthood, and we don't know that that's part of building us up to being who we are. So Joseph was this little guy, and he's moving up through the ladder, just doing servanthood, but also as an administrator. And here, Pharaoh gives him the job. This dream is very, very great because there's, there's a good thing that's coming, but there's also disaster coming. You need somebody really, really smart. We need somebody that understands how to set us up so that this famine doesn't swallow this country up. And he looks for somebody to do it, and it is Joseph. From prison to being in the audience with the pharaoh, telling him something, and pharaoh believing it without any other proof. Other than what the cupbearer had to say to him many years after. And now he's the boss? Whoa.
0: So in Genesis 42, Joseph's brother come to Joseph looking for food. And every dream that he had, the two dreams that we read earlier, came to pass. They bowed down to him they went back and through a series of events went back and got their father and brought their father, and his father bowed down to him. (coughs) But if Joseph had had bitterness or resentment in his heart, if Joseph had listened to the naysayers, if Joseph had not believed in his dream, if Joseph had gotten to jail and said, well, that's it, here it is, folks, we're all done now, if Joseph had not realized it was God's vision for his life, If Joseph had felt defeated when his brothers sold him. If Joseph hadn't trusted in God. That word that Christy gave today is so on point. Trust in God. Trust in God. If Joseph hadn't trusted in God. Dot, dot, dot. Some of you have had a dream of something that was going to happen in your life. And you filed it away in a compartment. Because you didn't think that that would ever come to pass. Or some of you may have just, God had just given you a vision of something that you're going to do. Or or a step that you need to take. And you're just kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if this is right. What are people going to think? When God says it. When God gives you a dream. Hold tight to it. Believe in it. Fast about it. Pray about it. Share it with your spouse. Share it with your parents. Share it with a best friend and just say, can you help me pray over this? Whether you believe it's going to happen or not, it doesn't matter. It's inconsequential because God already said it, so I'm going to hold tight to it. Church, it's time to dream again. I dare you to dream again. God's given you a clear vision or a clear dream. Dream again. Grab hold of that dream. Hold it tight and start praying over it like your life depends on it. God had given Jason this dream before I was even in his life. We've been married 14 years this year. This was be like 20 years ago, God gave him this dream of working with music. To see it come to pass now. You know what's crazy? God had given me a dream when I was in the Bronx, New York, in 1995, that I was going to be a youth pastor in charge of a youth center. No idea what a youth center was, because I lived in Vermont at the time. And when I moved here, and Pastor Tom asked me to come outside, on, on, on staff with him, he said, You know, you'd have to be in charge of our youth center, the Rock House, and you'd be a youth pastor. Hold tight to those dreams and those visions that God has given you. And don't let anyone deter you from that. Because just because it's your dream, it might not be the next person's dream. But that doesn't mean that their dream is right and yours is wrong. It's time to dream again. God has given you promises that you filed away as a possibility. This might happen someday. And God is saying, it's time to dream again and take those possibilities out of the shelf, out of the file, and lay them out before me and just see what I'll do. When I lost my job last year, I sat in my bathtub and screamed for about an hour, yelling at God because I didn't understand the direction that we were going. I sat there not worried about if my husband or my kids are going to wonder what the stink I'm doing in the bathroom. I yelled at God and said, why did you bring us here just to fail? And God said to me, get those dreams out of that file because I'm going to see, I'm going to show you What's about to happen? If I had stuck, been stuck in my sorrow, been stuck in my anguish of what just occurred, of getting laid off and not having direction, if I had gotten stuck in that, we wouldn't be where we're at today, being able to minister to, I mean, we're having 90,000 people every night come on our lives that we get to tell them who Jesus is. We get to pray for them in Jesus' name. We get to build relationships with people who are certified witches that are just one encounter away from having Jesus in their life. And I get to usher the presence of the Holy Spirit to them. How incredible is that? That's a platform that I would have never, ever imagined would ever come into our lives. If I had stayed stuck in my bitterness, if I had stayed stuck in being offended that I got let go, if I had stayed stuck in that and not taken out the file that I had put our dream in, then this, what's happening right now, would have never happened. Because God would have said, I can't do anything with you because you're just worried about what happened in the past. I can't move in your future until you trust me. I can't move your future until you let go of the hurt that you have, until you let go of the things that are holding you bondage because I want to do something big, but you're too, you're too tight-gripped with the past. I got a big future for you, but you're tight-gripped with your past. And God said to me that day, I dare you to dream again and see what I will do. So God has given you a big dream, or maybe it's something he's doing even now when I'm talking. Maybe God is just, the Holy Spirit is giving you something to think about and, and say, maybe this is a dream for you or a vision Maybe you've put it on the back burner because of your dot, 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 fill in the blank of whatever that issue could be. But God is saying, my daughter, my son, it's time to dream again. COVID is gone. I mean, we're going to declare that, right? It's time to dream again. You no longer have to stay in your house sheltered in. It's time to dream again. It's time to see the fulfillment of his promises and the fruit of the dream God has given you. And as we're closing, and Pastor Tom is on his way up, I want you to just sit and think for a moment. God, is there a dream that I have put on the back burner? Is there a vision that you've given me that you want to see fulfilled? Would you show that to me right now?
2: That was such a good word, um, and I don't want to rush. I want to give time for the holy spirit to to speak some things into your heart, but what a that last statement so profound um, God can't move in our future until we give him our past, and sometimes the disappointments with other people, the disappointments with God are actually the thing that's hindering his dream from coming forth in our lives um I wrote down two statements that I want you to think about as we close. The first one, what are you doing with dust on your keyboard? What's your keyboard? I mean, maybe God put a dream in your heart, and it's not about music, it's about something. And what is it that you've let, you're waiting for God to bring the dream to pass, and he's waiting for you to dust off the keyboard. There's something in your life, and the, the second statement goes right with it, am I acting in the character of my dream? We think that once we get the dream fulfilled, we'll start acting in the character. And God says, no, because the dream fulfilled without character equals disaster. The dream fulfilled without character equals disaster. We've seen it countless times. I mean, I I don't want to name drop, but I'll just say Ravi Zacharias. The dream fulfilled without character is disaster. It looked like success, but it was disaster. But character plus the dream fulfilled averts disaster. Not just for you, but for everyone around you. For Joseph, the character with his dream fulfilled averted disaster for the entire world at that time. And so those are the two things I want you to think about as we close. What do you need to dust off? And are, are we acting in the character of that dream fulfilled? And so Holy Spirit, I just pray speak clearly right now. To each and every one of us in this room online. God, revive the dreams that you put in your our hearts. Forgive us for treating the dreams that you've given us as possibilities. And in the process we've become lazy, indifferent. And God, we know that there's something that needs to get dusted off today. Maybe it's our Bible. Maybe it's our prayer lives. Maybe it's a skill that God has said over and over. I want you to learn this skill. And we're waiting. And God, show us how to start acting in the character of the dream you've given us. Forgive us for making excuses and using our personalities or our upbringing or our medical condition as excuses to not act in the character that you've called us to act in. And so, God, I pray that this word today would take deep root in the hearts of every member of Restoration Church, because I know that there are dreams that you want to fulfill in our lives, in our body. And so, Holy Spirit, we want to fully cooperate with what you're doing. pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You don't have to rush out of this room. This room can be a place of prayer. If you want to just sit and ponder those questions for a few minutes, you can do that.